get mad, get over it, and get busy. There you go. <laughs> get mad, get over it, get busy. And you said you don't believe in I, no. I don't believe in no. I think you should get off your rear end and on your feet and get busy. Hey, and welcome to the Stanton Law Podcast, where we discuss a wide range of issues facing businesses as they grow and scale. I'm your host, Josh Joel, counsel at Stanton Law. Hey, on today's podcast, I have with me Mitzi Chaveau, who is uh, a really awesome uh, friend of mine who I actually met a few months back on the on Lunch Club, which is a really cool app if you want to check it out, where you can meet random, amazing people uh, like Mitzi. And uh, our conversation when, when Mitzi and I met really inspired me. She's got an amazing story to tell about her. Uh, it's a story of transcendence. It's a story of overcoming obstacles and how to bring that into your professional life. So I really wanted to bring Mitzi onto the program uh, to discuss uh, her life story and how that has impacted the work that she does. Mitzi is a career coach. Uh, she, ha- she works with people in executive uh, transition coaching and career coaching, both for her own uh, company, which is Opportunity and Change Consulting. Uh, I think she's based out of Augusta, Georgia, as well as for BetterUp, which helps Fortune 500 companies develop employees from the top to the bottom of the company, focusing on employee empowerment and development. So I want to welcome uh, Mitzi to the program and give her an opportunity to introduce herself and what she does. Hi, Josh. Thanks so much for having me today. I appreciate it. I'm just going to give you my elevator pitch. It makes life really easy. I'm originally from Southern California. I'm a first generation American. My mom's from Mexico. My dad's from Germany. I was in my 40s before I got my master's degree. And shortly after that, I was severely injured in the oil field. When I walked away from that accident, specifically, I was told that I wasn't going to walk again without a cane or a walker for the rest of my life. And that just wasn't good enough. So I did everything the voc rehab doctors told me to do, and I just followed their directions and followed the rules. And two and a half years later, I was exactly where I was in the same amount of pain and the same amount of mobility. When we closed that case, I packed up my toys and I moved to Georgia from Colorado. When I got to Georgia, I realized three things. One, nobody knows me better than me. Two, I don't believe in no. I like to turn it over and get on my feet and get something done about it. And three was, it was up to me to make a change. So having a whole, a 13% whole body disability, I wasn't happy with walking around in pain all the time. I'm proud to say that uh, the injury took place in 2016. And I today am power walking 5Ks, occasionally a 10K, because I just didn't believe that, you know, what I had was enough. And I listened to my body and I got to where I want to be. So I'm excited to be here with you. And I try to use all of that in helping other people get past what they've lost and look more towards the future and building what can you do. Well, Mitzi, and that's awesome. And obviously this was clearly a seminal moment in your life that really defined who you are and defined your journey. But let's start a little earlier than that, because generally you have a really cool and really fascinating life story, which obviously is the place where you came, you came to this injury and came to, to this situation with a life behind you, which led you to the values that, that brought you to that place where you're able to transcend that and then bring it to other people. So maybe you can share a little bit more about your story uh, leading up to the injury and uh, to this life-changing event, which ultimately uh, you were able to transcend. Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, I'm a survivor, Josh. I've been through a lot of things. As a child, I was sexually assaulted. In my early 20s, I lost a child to a very rare, uh, excuse me, I lost a pregnancy to a very rare uh, medical condition. 
had to make a decision at that point whether I was going to be willing to allow them to take the remains and use it for science or drop into my fields and just bury it and bury it at all. And I made the choice, the hard choice, to allow them to take that and, and use it for science, which thankfully has made huge strides. I, yeah, I've, I've been married a couple of times. I'm not really good at it. But here I am again, going on almost 14 years with the same guy. And uh, yeah, I don't know what else you want me to touch on. I'm in my fields here right now. <laughs> No, that totally. And, and I also know that, that, uh, my understanding is, is you had a strong connection to the military and, and growing up in a, in a military home. And how did that impact your, your life story? Oh, so my, the only grandfather I ever know was an army officer. My dad came to the United States from Germany on a military visa. He had to join the army to be able to stay in the country. So he was in the military. I was raised around the military. Uh, my first and second husbands were military in my thirties. I joined the military and now I am the proud mom of an army soldier. And frankly, the, um, I'm going to call it regimentation because there's no real good way to phrase that, but the expectations in my upbringing, you know, this is right. This is wrong. You're supposed to do this. If you do A, you get B. If you don't do A, you don't get B. Has really driven my success and my ability to push through the craziness. Um, it taught me not to give up. It taught me to get mad, get over it, and then get going, get busy, and, and just you know figure out what next is looking like. I try not to look in the past except occasionally to smile at everything I've been through because I'm pretty proud of who I am today. And without all of that, I couldn't do what I do and help other people get beyond their challenges. Well, that's incredible. And obviously from my standpoint, I just have such incredible respect, admiration for those who serve in the military and those who you, your family, your, your son, uh, it's just an amazing thing in the way it transforms lives and certainly impacts the nation. So every bit of honor and, and, uh, and respect and, and gratitude, uh, for the sacrifices you and, and your family have made, but it's amazing to see how that has impacted uh, your life and impacted, uh, who you've become. So let's talk a little bit more, maybe unpack a little bit more about, about, what happened after, how did you, how were you able after this injury occurred, maybe you can describe a little bit more about what happened. How were you able to find it within yourselves to reach those three principles you described before to then transcend and, and move beyond that? And of course, it, from a physical standpoint, not just, you're not just talking about an emotional development. We're talking about being able to transcend on a physical level, any expectation that anybody would have had to you. And maybe a little bit about how your mind space and your head space made that happen. Yeah. Thanks for asking. And thank you for uh, the nice accolades for my family and I on, on being military. Somebody has to do it and we're very proud to do so. Yes. Um, I was wearing winter weather, winter weather gear in northeastern Colorado on an oil field site. And the short story is a piece of equipment was put somewhere it wasn't supposed to be. I reached up to get it. It shifted, took me off of a ladder. I impacted the ladder with my hip, which separated the muscle that crosses in your cheek, your rear cheeks, and caused my spine to do a very significant curve. It was so bad 
that uh, the first x-rays, they told me that I had obviously had scoliosis on my life and I was faking it. And I challenged back because ironically, three weeks before I had a close encounter of the horse kind and decided to come off of a perfectly good horse and had to have x-rays then. So I knew that wasn't the case. You know, the, the physical therapy, I have to tell you, the people that I had in voc rehab were very, a very big part of how I got to today. I had one physical therapist who had been a Marine and, you know, I would tell her, look, this hurts, this hurts and this hurts. And she would listen. And then she would manipulate my joints before manipulating my ligaments to make sure that even though it hurt, she was doing the best possible she could for long-term alignment. I found out later that the lovely woman used to work at the VA with, you know, some of our amazing soldiers that have had issues. My chiropractor that I had at the time, another veteran, I had just fallen into, you know, one person after another that truly was into the long-term care. And while vocational rehabilitation set limitations, the voc rehab counselor that I got turned out to be somebody that I knew from when I managed a dairy. And I had worked with him to put people of limited uh, mental capacity to work in rote jobs, really allowing them to succeed. And this is who it turned out to be, who was my caseworker and wasn't really, wasn't willing to let me fail either. So, mm. um, you know, you have to embrace the beauty of the things that you get and, and sometimes you have to lean on other people, but it's, it was a lot of their look, you're not going to have it fall apart. And we know you're tougher than that. Um, don't get me wrong. There were some days where they were deep and dark and ugly, but, uh, yeah, between my kids telling me you can do this and my voc rehab people going, do what you have to do, get through the voc rehab, get released and then do what you have to do. And I did. Mm -hmm. And so obviously on those, those deep, dark days that you're talking about, you know, it's, it's almost hard for me to see that because I see you as someone who is just so full of joy and so full of, of, of live, uh, life. And so what was, what was some of the, the factors I know from a physical standpoint, you had the encouragement of the people that were around you. You had these, these gifts that were given to you of, of people in your life, uh, whether the, that you're involved with during the rehab, who really brought you along. But what about within yourself? What was, what were the factors or what were the things that helped you shift your mindset to get over those dark days and become the bright and cheery person that you have become and, and such a, such a, 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 a fighter and a, not just a survivor, but a thriver through the trauma and through the pain and, and becoming such a, such a, a great resource now? Well, my day to day during, during the rehab, honestly, were my two dogs. That might sound crazy, but I was living in a single wide mobile home, 75 miles from another human being out on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. And those dogs literally needed me. They got me up every day. They needed to go out. They needed this. Um, so leaning into them was a big deal, but, um, you know, I sat back and, and there were days where I just cried and felt sorry for myself. Why'd this happen to me? Why'd this happen to me? And I had to take a good look and say, you know, so what this happened, what's next? Um, I don't know how I didn't give in. I just, uh, 
you know, puppy kisses go a long way when you're crying and somebody wants to come up and wash your face and tell you how much they love you and they don't expect anything in return. My kids would call and, you know, hey, you know, I can hear it in your voice, mom. You've got this. It's okay. You can have bad days, but dust off because you've got grandkids to help raise. And, you know, between the four-legged babies and the two-legged babies, I, I just plowed on through. So tell me a little bit, that's, that's incredible. And, and I'm sure the, certainly in, in my law firm where the dogs are in the office, I'm sure my colleagues will be very happy to hear about uh, doggy kisses because that's something that clearly helps the lawyers around here get yeah, through their difficult days in this stressful profession. Um, but tell me a little bit more about what got you into the professional coaching that you do and how this story of transcendence and kind of mind over matter uh, has made you the kind of coach you are helping people who are working through life in transition. Oh, I'd love to. So I kind of mentioned that my voc rehab counselor was somebody that I had worked with before. Um, You know, probably the best bit of information I got from him was he sat me down one day and he looked at me, he goes, I have known you for three years. You shouldn't be working for somebody else. Come work with me. And we looked at what that would entail. And I had to go back and get a psych degree. I didn't want a psych degree. So between us, we crafted a way for me to get um, certified and credentialed with the International Coach Federation as a internationally accredited and acknowledged coach. And we used that to secure my first contract with the state of Colorado. While this was while I was still in vocational rehabilitation. And we use that contract for me to help other people to get back to work. And he tapped into, you know, what you mentioned, the positive forward thinking. He was like, okay, so you've got this mission. This is what you're doing. This is how we're going to help you. Here's, here's your contract. And I signed it and I worked with other people, helping them see that while there is some loss and change, It doesn't have to be that way. And honestly, that's where opportunity and change was born, was just in an understanding that, okay, so this changed. Now what? Instead of so what? Now what? And stepping Hmm. into that space and bringing bringing the the horizon back into, into clarity and saying, okay, so I've met this point. I'm on the horizon line here. What's my next horizon line? What's that going to look like? And just pushing out and seeing what's coming. What else can I do? So, so who's the, the, the typical person who comes to you for opportunity in change, uh, consulting or, or career coaching? Because I know that you, you, have, you very much focus on people who are in some sort of career transition and there could be a lot of uh, pain points when someone's transitioning. So who would be your typical client or the typical person who comes and says, I need help? And, and what are the things that they're facing? Oh, typical. Maybe there is no typical. and That's also good. (laughs) The the only thing that they have in common is a desire to change, usually out of a position where they feel like they're either underutilized or they're no longer finding joy. um, And they want to do something more and they don't know what more is. So the commonalities would be There's no age commonality. I've worked with people as young as 22 and as old as 89. It's all about wanting to do something next. Just needing a little bit of exploration with an expert guide to help them figure out 
what paths they're not seeing and kind of walk through the weeds with them with a machete and knock it down and let them see what else is out there. So it certainly sounds like that your life story would be very informative in terms of telling people to knock down the weeds and, and see what's out there. Just keep moving forward and don't, as I think you mentioned, uh, and don't believe in no. So what, what are some of the, the challenges or some of the, the limitations or limiting beliefs that you, you see people who are miserable in their jobs or unhappy with what they're doing and they, they want a change? Uh, what are the challenges that they come to you with and what are the breakthroughs that, that, that you often see them needing to, to come to? Biggest challenge tends to be a belief that their skills are not transferable with a a hard second being a belief that because of their age situation, family status, they can't do it. A lot of people think that when you do a career transition, that's day one. But you have so many years of experience that you just need to reframe. You need to reframe your skills. You need to reframe what you've done. And anybody who's ever been successful at anything did it by some kind of process. So let's repurpose the process and use it for the next leg of your journey. Your life doesn't start at the first page of the new book. Hmm. And I I know you mentioned... uh... Some of the folks you've worked with in the past, for example, I'm an attorney and you've worked with attorneys who are transitioning into into tech and, and into kind of more corporate law or, or going into a place where they're taking more risks. I mean, we are generally a, a risk averse profession uh, in our own uh, business lives, myself excluded from that. Uh, but <laughs> but I'm curious to know, uh, this is just my out of for my own curiosity, what are the challenges that you see with people who, who make, I know that you're saying that people have a struggle seeing that they're skills are transferable, but some of the people that you deal with are making some serious changes in their career paths and how, and are the, is it, is it the character traits that they learn? Is it, is it the, what is it that they can transfer over to a new profession in a completely different area than they were before? If they really want to make a major change, what are you looking for? Professionals that I've worked with Um, And I use that as in somebody who either has a specialized degree, juris doctorate, like an attorney, surgeons, doctors, nurses, some kind of specialty type field. All of that is transferable when you look at it from the outside in. For instance, in your case, if you were to say, I want to become a recovering attorney, first, I would laugh with you. And then we talk about all of the things that you know how to do. Let's say you wanted to become a cybersecurity analyst. Let's pick a a random tech job, okay? Well, guess what? Josh, you're really good at research. Analysis is analyzing the documents in front of you and making decisions. That's a carryover skill that you might not see, but you have all this experience in how to do the research and how to do the analysis of what's important for that case at that time. Um, A recovering doctor. I love my, I have had work, had to work with two recovering surgeons and the meticulous nature of the process, this, this procedure has to have this and this and this and this and this, and it has to be in order. That process, that meticulous attention to detail as an analyst, as a code developer, as anything in tech, as far as, you know, the coding and that side, that process is just so amazing because that's how you write good code. That's how you find the bad guys that are breaking into people's computers is through the meticulous attention to detail. 
and just reframing that in their mind that they understand how to do this. And it's just a repurpose of an existing process that you've already mastered. Interesting. And, you know, you mentioned kind of the recovering attorneys or the recovering, <laughs> you know, I think everybody, everybody is, when they make a change, they, they kind of view the past as, as something that they're recovering from. But let me ask you this, in your view and what you see, what are the things that a person, what are the warning signs that a person should be looking at to know that maybe it's time to make a change? Oh, that feeling in your, in the pit of your stomach, the cold sweats, the, oh my God, I do not want to go there. When you get to a point where you truly dread either engaging with the work environment or engaging with the work, you've waited too long. When you fall out of love with something, it's time to either figure out how to refresh it or to visit another path. The beauty of the modern era is that very few people start and end in the same career field. We just don't do that anymore. The big factories aren't there. They don't exist. And we really have a chance to have a midlife crisis in a way that allows us to do something that's just so much more joyful. You couldn't have told me 20 years ago that I was going to be coaching people doing what I do with people all over the world and being successful at it. Heck, 10 years ago, you probably couldn't have convinced me that I needed a coach. Now I've got three. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's always important to pay it forward. And certainly people who are always growing and are always learning, their cup is overflowing to be able to uh, give to other people. Let me ask you, and this is a question I like to ask any career coach or any kind of person in a coaching position that I speak to, but in your mind from the work that you do, what would you say are the, are the top character traits for an aspiring leader in an organization or in life? Well, so you don't have to have a title to be a leader. I'll start with that. Beautiful. Um, I love that. Yeah. Within an organization. You have to be able to truly listen both up and down the ladder. Your board is going to direct what they need, but you also need to have a pulse on the people beneath you because you're still serving them, even though you've, you're not part of that group any longer. Um, and the only, the second piece, the big piece is walk your talk, figure out who you are authentically and be that person honestly, completely and all the time. There's nothing worse than paying lip service to somebody because it comes back. It's remembered. So if you've got to say no, say no. Explain, but be clear and be honest with yourself. When you get out of the C-suite, you know, leaders are all around us. And a lot of times they don't have that title. But when you feel that person that you have an honest connection with that, hey, if they ask you for something, you're, you're wanting to find a way to do it, you see that person as a leader and they're everywhere. So, wow. Yeah. And that's, that's a very, very empowering thought because that means that every one of us ultimately is a leader. We just have to find where to where we're doing that and where we can give to others and then we become a leader 
uh, even no matter where we are in an organization or where we are in life. It's an incredibly empowering thought. So that's, I just, I, I, that's one I'm definitely going to have to ponder. Um, Mitzi, I, you know, I, it seems like you're a person who really has walked the walk and uh, the, the character traits that you mentioned earlier, the three things that were, uh, I tried to write them down in real time, but I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't able to do it quick <laughs> enough. So I would love if you could just, before we close out, go over those three lessons that you mentioned in the beginning again. Um, that you learned from from your transition uh, and and how that's impacted your life. Are you talking about the get mad, get over it, and get busy? There you go. <laughs> get mad, get over it, get busy. And you said you don't believe in I, no. I don't believe in no. I think you should get off your rear end and on your feet and get busy. Just do it. Just get up and get and walk the walk. You know, it's interesting because for you, it's 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 literal and figurative in that sense that you literally got up and walked the walk when, when no one said it was possible for you that you would be walking five K's and 10 K's and doing all of that. And to be able to bring that perspective and to bring that inspiration to other people and tell them if you've done it yourself, both physically and emotionally and spiritually to walk the walk is just incredibly inspiring in my view. Thank you very much. Um, I would rather fall down and fail, dust off and do it again, than sit there and be too scared to try. And isn't that an incredible lesson uh, for anybody in leadership? So, uh, Mitzi, before I, I, before we close out, and, I, and at the end, I will ask you to, to give folks your contact information, how to get a hold of you. Uh, but I do have this, I'm going to throw you a softball over here, but I do like to close out with a little bit of a of a, uh, what I call my LinkedIn or my social media ambush. And usually the, uh, my question is probably a little more fun than this one, uh, but I can't help it because I know that, that you have a military history and you care very much about veterans. And I want to give you an opportunity, maybe it's just a plug or to talk a little bit. I saw on your LinkedIn profile that you're, you're a volunteer coach with, with the incredible organization, uh, stand beside them. And maybe you can talk a little bit about what inspires you about that organization, what they do and what you do for them. Uh, I know that's a, a, not as fun as my usual question, but but it's something that really speaks to me. And I think people need to hear about it. Stand beside them. We'll work with military members or their families to help them. Well, there's multiple pillars. Gosh, there's so many more pillars. They have a career coaching section. They have a life coaching section. They work with TAP, the military transition teams. Um, they're there for anybody at any point that just needs to be heard. It's not psychotherapy. The beauty of coaching is that if you run across a good coach and they feel you need psychotherapy, they're going to tell you. But sometimes what we really need is to be heard and validated. And just because somebody thinks your pain isn't real doesn't make it unreal to you. And it just is. There's so much going on in the world with the military right now that uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to softball back at you that I am much more concerned with uh, the 22 lives that we lose every month to suicide and say that uh, anybody that hears this, no lie, um, reach out, reach out to somebody you don't know that has offered. My phone rarely gets turned off. I'm not the only one out there. But I would rather be woke up in the middle of the night and talk to you and let you be heard 
than allow anybody to be alone and in despair. Wow. So incredible. I mean, Mitzi, your life is a life of honor and a life, uh, uh, just an admirable life of, of, that is just so worthy of, of, it's, of honor and, and it's so inspiring. And the way that you're able to bring that both into your, into your personal passions as well as your professional passions is incredibly uh, moving to me. And I hope it's incredibly moving to the listeners of this podcast. But Mitzi, let me, let me ask you, uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, what's, what's the best way for them to find you? Well, the best way is through my website, only because it lets me get all your information. We can set up a free appointment because I give everybody a free session. And that's www.opportunityinchange.com because there is opportunity in change. And then the other way is through by phone. The business line is 706-526-1736. And you are correct. I'm outside of Augusta, Georgia. Well, thank you, Mitzi. And thank you so much for sharing your story, uh, being vulnerable about it and sharing your inspiration. And I hope that that's inspiring to the listeners and certainly to those uh, to read, like you, the, the point you, you made at the end, none of us are alone and reach out and we should be connecting with one another. And I'm so happy that you came on the program and thank you for, for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. I hope this helps at least one person. Awesome. Thank you. You have been listening to the Stanton Law Podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get notifications of new episodes. Also, follow me, Josh Joel, on LinkedIn, where I post a wide range of updates on various topics facing businesses as they scale. If you want to discuss anything that we talked about today, please feel free to reach out and email me directly at josh.joel at stantonlawllc.com. Please be reminded that the information we discussed today is informational and not legal advice. If you have any specific legal questions or are looking for more information about any of the topics we discussed, please reach out to us or visit our website at www.stantonlawllc.com.